Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 86 with Kwame Christian. Kwame was just a ton of fun and had a lot of great perspective when it comes to negotiation. We went live with the role play, so you're going to learn some great things when it comes to the persuasive and negotiative skills, including one, the first crucial step to negotiation, two, how to discover your limits by practicing rejection therapy, and three, what it takes to be a confident, powerful negotiator. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've talked about here, you can find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep86. Or if you'd like those takeaways faster, you might sign up for the Gold Nugget email list over at awesomeatyourjob.com, which summarizes the takeaway advice from each of the guests or the 10 Days to Winning at Work email course. There's a lot of good stuff over there at awesomeatyourjob.com. Take a gander, have some fun, and here's a quick bit about Kwame here. Kwame is passionate about teaching business professionals how to negotiate and be more persuasive. He sees himself as a professional problem solver and works with businesses and individuals to come up with tailored negotiation solutions to improve the bottom line and resolve conflict. Kwame, as an attorney at the Christian Law Office, which is just his last name and not a law office for Christians, specializing in business law for startups and entrepreneurs. He is a legal analyst at the Kerwin Institute for the Study of Race and Ethnicity at The Ohio State University focusing on health disparities and the social and political structures that create and maintain them. He's a consultant at the American Negotiation Institute and produces Negotiation for Entrepreneurs, the top negotiation podcast on iTunes. Here's Kwame. Kwame, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thanks for having me, Pete. I appreciate it. You know, I really got a kick out of, so your last name is Christian and you're also at the Christian law office. And that doesn't mean you're dealing with Jesus related legal issues, but rather it's your last name. Is that true? Exactly. Exactly. So with my church crowd, it works. So I just roll with it. But with every other client, when they come up to me and ask me, well, you know, I have a business problem, but do you do business law or do you just do church law? I'm like, well, (laughs) I'm a business lawyer. I do business law. But because of the professional rules of conduct, I am legally required to use my last name in my law firm. So I had two options, the Christian law office or the Christian law firm. (laughs) And I guess office sounded better. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, that's so fascinating. And I always thought that maybe just lawyers were kind of unoriginal in terms of the naming their firms, like last name, last name, and last name, attorneys at law. It's like, is that the best you can come up with? Like, how about like optimization partners? I don't know. I mean, that's just my, <laughs> that's just my style. Right. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, typically lawyers, we kind of are unoriginal. I will say that, but (laughs) not that unoriginal. So uh, yeah, that's the reason why we're always with the last name. Well, yeah, it's, I guess, a requirement. And so now I know I'm educated and you're going to educate us. So, so tell us, you mostly work with entrepreneurs and we're talking more about the professional audience here, but you say, first and foremost, when it comes to negotiation, your area of expertise, you say most don't even know it's possible to negotiate certain things. Tell us, what do you mean by that? And what might we be overlooking in terms of negotiating opportunities? Exactly. And that's the first step to becoming a better negotiator, developing your negotiation recognition. And so let's start off with a definition. I think this would help. So my definition of negotiation is anytime you're having a conversation with somebody, 
And one or more of the people in that conversation want something. Okay. And so <laughs> when you use that definition, you realize that it's very broad and negotiation is everywhere. And for those of you who have a significant other, you're negotiating all the time. You know, so it's almost impossible to go 24 hours without having a negotiation. And then once you develop that recognition, now you can implement these negotiation skills to try and get more value out of your life. Okay. Well, that sounds helpful. So. I'm intrigued then, you know, are there some things that we just sort of accept as given that maybe we should maybe question and see if we can do some negotiating work on them? Yeah. And I think once you start to really get into this, one of the things you need to do is try and push the limits to experience for yourself what is and is not negotiable. So for me, one of the things that I do to become a better negotiator is do rejection therapy. Mm. And so I realized that one of the biggest things standing in our way is our fear of asking for what we really want. So in my rejection therapy, I ask for things that I have no right <laughs> to get. So, oh. for example, a couple weeks ago, it was my birthday. And so I was at Panera Bread, which is a coffee shop if it's if it's regional. And uh, I was with a mentee. And so they said, hey, Kwame, happy birthday. Here's a free pastry for you. And I said, thank you. Well, I'm here with my mentee. Can he get a free pastry, too? And mm. we got one. There you go. <laughs> no right to get it. And the majority of times when I ask for these silly things, I don't get it. But it has two effects. You know, I win either way because either I get what I want and that's really cool or I don't. And I feel that rejection and I realize my heart's still beating <laughs> and nothing bad happened. So it makes me more apt to ask for what I want when the time really comes and it really matters. Oh, that is a lovely perspective. And so that reminds me of Andrea Waltz in episode 16 with her go for no philosophy. And you just took it one step further in terms of when you get a no, not only kind of do you know, okay, that's the limit, you know, that's where it ends, but your character itself is enriched or strengthened. Exactly. You get stronger every time. Oh, that's cool. You know, that's what I used to tell myself in high school, college, and I was asking out girls, I'd say, all right, Pete, even if she says no, you win because you summoned the courage to go there and that makes you a baller. That's what I told myself. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Pete the baller. I like it. <laughs> well, thank you. So let's talk a little bit more about no. So you talked about being on the receiving end and just boldly going for it, which is cool. And so you said that in some of your work that really, you know, we have the ability to say no to certain things maybe more often than we think. Kind of what's the story there? Right. And I think we should say no more often than we do, because when you look at your success, success in business and success in life and in reality is predicated more on our ability to say no than our ability to say yes. Because today, more than ever, we are presented with a number of opportunities, just a well worth of opportunities. And we need to decipher which opportunities is for us. And we need to say no to a lot of opportunities. But it's difficult to say no, because a lot of times when we say no, we're afraid that we're going to hurt the other person's feelings. So learning how to say no in an effective way, in a way that actually can strengthen the relationship, is one of the most important skills you can develop as you're becoming a better negotiator. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so how do we do that? Okay. So the first step is to figure out your yes. Because every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to thousands of other things. Right. So for me, talking to you right now, I'm saying yes to this interview with you. 
And frankly, I'm saying no to other client work that I need to be doing. Oh, I hope it's worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. It's feeling pretty good thus far, though. Okay. So yeah, you need to find your yes. So that's the first step. And then the next step is to use what I call the no sandwich. So first you take that yes and you put that in the first line and then you say no. And then you say something that would strengthen the relationship. And it's actually perfect timing because I had to do this earlier today with a client. And so one of the clients I was working with, they were doing this multi-million dollar commercial real estate deal and the deal fell through. And so they had some bills that were past due. And so the mortgage holder filed for foreclosure. And so I don't do foreclosures. They're not fun for me. Mm-hmm. And actually, yeah, you you know, Lisa, Lisa Cummings, she said, you either say hell yeah or no. All right. (laughs) So what you're interested in. So I was like, this is a no. And so this is a client I've been working with for a while. So I wanted to maintain the relationship and, and do work for them in the future. So I had to say, using the no sandwich technique, number one, I really enjoyed doing this business law work for you. And I hope to continue to do this in the future. So that's my yes. All right. And then, but since foreclosure is not my focus, I want to make sure that you are in the hands of a lawyer that is operating well within his practice area. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to decline the opportunity to represent you in this case. So that's my clear no. And then I say, however, what I'm going to do is I'm going to scan my network and figure out which attorney would be best for you and get him or her in contact with you this afternoon. And then once another deal comes forward, let me know and I'll review the contract for you. Oh, that's great. Thank you. And I understand that lawyers in particular love referring work to other lawyers because what goes around comes around. Exactly. And what's funny, too, is that I was not even thinking about this, but we can do referral fees. And so the guy I referred her to said, oh, yeah, you know, I'll kick a little bit back for you. And I wasn't even looking for that. And so the benefits of saying no in a really intentional way are twofold. It's not just the fact that you're avoiding something you didn't want to do, but you're strengthening the relationship with the person you're talking to and the community as a whole, if you do it the right way. Okay. Well, very good. That's helpful. Thank you. And so now maybe digging in a little bit into the nuts and bolts of negotiation. So can you maybe lay out for us, what are some of the key principles when you're having these conversations in which someone wants something, you know, what are some maybe key things to keep in mind first in terms of mindset? And then, well, I'll go deeper after that. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about mindset. So I think the first thing we need to do is focus on why, not what. So when we focus too much on what the other person wants in the discussion, we can see it as a zero sum game where what they want necessitates us losing what we want. And so instead of focusing on the what, focus on the why, ask questions and be more curious figure out their reasoning behind the what. Because especially if we're negotiating with a colleague, let's say we're talking about what's next for our team and we have two different positions, our reasoning might be the same, but we might just come to different conclusions. And if we start with the reasoning, it's a lot easier conversation to have. And then the next one, and this is the most powerful one, this is my favorite one, is ask open-ended questions. So here's a question for you. If you had the choice, Pete, would you rather have your hand on the steering wheel or your foot on the gas or brake pedal? Oh, wow. I can think about this for a long time. <laughs> and so I'm going to say the, okay, the, the, oh, the brake gas pedal, it feels <laughs> like the ultimate kind of shut down or go. 
which is cool. It's like a power trip. I like that. But, <laughs> but the steering wheel is like, where we go? And so my hope is that I take the steering wheel and just have faith in my ability to collaborate with the gas brake person in order to, you know, get some sort of motion. But that's tricky. You got to have them both. So, okay, it's, where it you going? Tricky. No, you were right. You were right. Steering wheel. That's what I would go with. And you said the right word. It's about control because you can control the direction. And so the question is now, how do we have our hand on the steering wheel during a negotiation? And we do that by asking open-ended questions. So this interview is a great example because I'm doing the majority of the talking, but I am going exactly where you want to go because you're asking really great questions. So for me, in my negotiations, my goal is to keep the breakdown of conversation about 70-30 in the other person's favor, Hmm. where I'm listening 70% of the time and only speaking 30% of the time. Because if that's happening, I know I'm in control of the conversation because I'm asking great questions, and I know I'm getting more information. Because it's like we always say, knowledge is power, and I can't really learn if I'm talking. So listening is going to be key. And so when you ask the right questions, you can take somebody down a logical path and have them convince themselves. And in reality, when you think about the times that you've been persuaded, if you were to ask yourself, oh, why'd you change your mind on that? You wouldn't say, well, the person beat me in an argument. You know, that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't sound good. It's like, oh, you know, I thought about it differently and I realized that this was the way to go. That's the way you want it to happen. It's almost like Inception. You know, oh, you do it the right way. <laughs> they, had a, they had a dream in which they had the idea. <laughs> exactly. We planted the questions deep into their mind. And, and lo and behold, they ended up our way. And so it's powerful. Well, that's cool. Well, any other kind of principles or mindset pieces or should we move on a bit? Yeah, there's one more thing. Okay. And it almost seems too simple, but prepare. Preparation is key. So for me, if I'm having like a 15 minute conversation, a 10 to 15 minute phone conversation, I prepare about 45 minutes for that. I take this very seriously, you know, and so when you go into these negotiations better prepared, I mean, that could be the difference between winning and losing. And so here's an example. So I did this car negotiation series on my podcast where I walked people through my negotiations preparation. And then it culminated in a recorded negotiation with a salesman. Oh, like real people buying cars and selling cars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Do they know they're being recorded? recorded? Is it undercover? It was undercover. Oh, man, this is juicy. <laughs> oh, it was good. It was good. And what's cool is Ohio's a single party consent state. So only one party in the conversation needs to consent to recording okay. so I could record. And so um, when ended up getting 13% below market, But what was really interesting was what happened with the preparation, because I thought it was going to be pretty straightforward. And then it took me like two hours and I had nine pages of materials prepped and the conversation ended up being like 15 minutes. But I won it. I really did well in that negotiation simply because I took the time to prepare in a systematic way. Oh, no, that's so cool. Now, in your preparations, were there any kind of particular discoveries or opportunities that really opened it up for you to get that discount? Yeah. So timing was key. So figuring out the proper time to have the negotiation because leverage and power in negotiation is relative. And so if I negotiate at a certain time, I have more leverage and power compared to another time. And so it was funny when I actually had the negotiation and I finished the recording, I was really hesitant to post it because I was like, did I really do anything in this conversation? (laughs) He just kind of folded. And then I was like, this is exactly what you want to do because it was the preparation that really did all the work. 
Okay. Yeah, have you ever read the um, Checklist Manifesto? Oh, I have skimmed it, okay. but the author's on my list. <laughs> right. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's a great book. Well, essentially, it's just using checklists in really complex situations to make your outcomes better. And so the use of checklists in hospitals reduced the mortality rate by 47%. Yeah. Just by using checklists. So that's what I do with the negotiation preparation. So I made, or I will make, by the time this is posted, it will be ready, a checklist, negotiation checklist for your audience. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. And so if they go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash prep, P-R-E-P, they can get a negotiation preparation sheet so it could walk them through a systematic negotiation preparation for their everyday negotiations at work and at home. That is super handy. Thank you. And well, now I'm still fixated on the car story. It's the power (laughs) of narrative in the human mind. So it was about preparation and it was a discovery about timing that made all the difference. And so what'd you learn about timing that meant that you'd get a discount? Was it like their quotas or at a certain monthly or quarterly time and you showed up at just before the cutoff or what'd you do? Yeah. So here are the key things about timing when it comes to car negotiations. You want to get them at a time where they're up against it for their quota, where they need to make certain numbers. And you want to show up at a time when there is little traffic. And so this is when there's little traffic. If you get it at the middle, if you show up in the middle of the month, if you show up on a day that it's raining. And so it just so happened, I think it was August 30th, I had this conversation. August 30th or 31st ended ended up being a Wednesday and it was rainy and it was the last day of the month. So they were ready to make a deal. And what was interesting is they already lowered the price that morning. Oh, wow. And I still got over $1,000 off. That's great. So, okay. Now I want to make sure I heard you correctly for in this particular instance or this particular dealership, it was the end of the month. That is when the quota hits. Mm -hmm. Typically that's when it is. And there are various quotas. So there's going to be the monthly quota. And then the big one is at the end of the year. So if you're able to hold off on buying a new car until the end of the year, the discounts are going to be pretty significant. Oh, that's very handy. And so now how did you learn this? Just basic Googling or did you like interview former employees? (laughs) It was both. So I found the the best car negotiation resources online and just made my own Uber guide, you know, and did like a 45 minute episode on negotiation preparation. Then the second episode was an interview with my friend. He negotiates every day for his job in commercial real estate, but his dad owned a dealership for 50 years. Mm. And it just so happened that earlier in the week when I interviewed him, he negotiated for a car and got a really great discount. So he was fresh. And so he talked about the various tactics you can use actually in the conversation with the dealership. And then um, I used it in the next episode and (laughs) and it worked like a charm. It was crazy. Well, that's exciting. And which car was it? It was a 2016 Ford Explorer. Oh, lovely. Yeah, it was nice. And that's another freebie, too. If anybody uh, is in the market for a car and if you go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash car, you can get that negotiation guide for that one, too. Really, really handy. Oh, cool. Thank you. Well, so now I'm thinking a little bit about, all right, negotiations in the workplace day in, day out in terms of I'm imagining conversations in which somebody wants something. You know, I was just doing a training this morning with a group and teaching them about pushback, which is where you artfully decline to do something based upon it not being in the best interest of the team. You know, like, hey, our resources are best spent maybe elsewhere, or could you help me prioritize that kind of thing? So I want to think about kind of some common scenarios. One, negotiation in which you're 
persuading, no, I really don't think I should do that. Or you're negotiating, hey, I'd really love your help in doing this for me or with me. I think the webs of collaboration and investing our limited resources. Right. And I think the reason I love talking about negotiation in the workplace is because there's so many opportunities, especially when you're working on teams. And I think one of the best opportunities is when you are working on a team and you're having that battle of ideas, those discussions, you know? And so when we're trying to figure out the direction of the team, which way we're going to go and how the allocation of resources is going to be distributed, I think that's another big opportunity to negotiate. And so once you recognize those opportunities, you would recognize the opportunity to implement these negotiation skills to get the outcomes that you want. Okay, certainly. And so could you maybe play through how a conversation might unfold? And feel free to just make up facts left and right. <laughs> okay. Putting you on the spot. Is this going to be a role playing? Are we going to go back and forth? This could be well, okay, okay, we could do that. Yes. Let's say I am a collaborator. Mm -hmm. And well, you would like me to become a collaborator. You'd like me to do some things to help out you and your team. And I'm thinking I got a lot of my plate already. And so let's roll from there. All righty. Well, Pete, uh, you know, I'm working on this project. Have you heard of it? The uh, How to Be Awesome at Your Job project here at Kwame Corp? Well, it's making <laughs> tremendous waves and it's highly ranked in the iTunes chart. So, yes, I've heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. So where do you see yourself going in this company uh, as far as how you see yourself positioned with regard to the various projects that you're working on? Positioned. Well, you know, I'm doing a lot of the work associated with kind of synthesizing the data so that we, we have a clear action plan for what we should do with all these inputs. Okay. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because that's something that I've noticed you're really great at. And I know we have a need for that on our team, but I also know that you're really busy. So what kind of things do you think you could do, even though you're busy, to help us out? Well, I mean, I don't know. I could take a quick look at your pivot tables and make sure that you're not overlooking something or what do you think you need most done? The pivot tables would be incredibly helpful. That would be great. And honestly, just having your experience, being able to lean on your experience to just run some ideas by you would be incredibly helpful. Okay, sure. Yeah. So when do you think would be a good time for you to meet with a team? Oh, how about tomorrow at 2 p.m. Good. Okay. I think that, that was really good. <laughs> I was really nervous <laughs> because you know how I'm so obsessed with the preparation. I'm like on the fly. All right. Kidding me? <laughs> really? I think that showed the power of open-ended questions. Yes. That's kind of what I was feeling there. It's like, of course, you know, if we just made things up, but I kind of felt like if I shut you down entirely, with like, the, what role do you think you could play? And I'd be like, absolutely none. I'm swamped. Like, I, it's like I felt like if I shut it down that hard, that 100% out of the gate, I felt like I was a real jerk and not even remotely a team player. Right. And you know, that's the reason I phrased that question yeah. that way. And there are a couple little skills that I put in. So the first one is prefacing my points with saying, I recognize that you're busy. A lot of times we say, I don't want to be a bother when you know you're being a bother or something like that. Uh -huh. But psychologically speaking, when you kind of clear the air and say, listen, I recognize that this is the elephant of the room. Let's go ahead and address it. You're really busy and I'm asking you to do something. It makes my ask a little bit more palatable because it demonstrates that I recognize that. So that was one thing. The next thing is the way I phrased the question wasn't a yes or no question. And that's the close ended because... 
if I said, can you help me with this? Yes or no. It's an easy escape when you could just say no. That's easy. I set it up for you. Right. But when I ask it in a way that kind of assumes that you do have the time and ask it open ended and just say, elaborate on my assumption that you do have the time. I kind of led you to telling me you had time and led you to tell me what you could do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you for that. That was illustrative, even without doing the prep in advance. And so, well, now I just kind of want to shift gears and maybe you were feeling it right there, even in this role play, you know, sometimes in the midst of negotiation, you know, it could feel like, oh boy, there's high stakes, you know, the pressure's on. There could be some kind of nerves or anxiety associated, whether you're asking someone to help out or to be a mentor or for a raise or any of those kind of workplace negotiation situations. Do you have any perspectives on, what to do to just kind of calm your own nerves and be sort of confident as you're engaging in these discussions. Yeah. And I know you would like this because I'm a psychology nerd, just like you. That was my undergrad degree. All right. So um, I like to play mental games with myself. It works with me and I feel like it's worked with some of my clients as well. I would have people reframe the negotiation, not as a negotiation or a conflict resolution or something like that, but really I have them shift the conversation to um, more of an information gathering session or a brainstorming session. And the benefit of that is when we think of it that way, it's just an exchange of ideas. And additionally, it has the benefit of making us go into the conversation with curiosity, which is one of the keys to being a great negotiator. And when you're curious, it has the natural effects of causing you to ask more questions. And so you go in there, you ask questions, you take your time, and that's one great way to get over it. Just think about it as sharing ideas where you're in there only trying to get more information about them and their perspective, and your goal is to share information on your perspective. And that usually helps ease tensions in negotiations. Okay, well, that's super. Anything else on the easing tension side? Taking your time is huge. And I think that's something that is really underrated. Being incremental in negotiation is really important because one of the big barriers between agreement and non-agreement is the perception of risk. And when you are trying to make huge gains in one conversation, the person perceives a lot of risk and it feels safer to say no. So what I would suggest doing is going step by step. So let's say You're very anxious about this discussion, and then you just phrase it as a brainstorming session. It's like, hey, Pete, I'm working on this project here at Kwame Corp. Um, Do you have a second to talk about it a little bit? I just want to brainstorm with you real quick. And so I hear your perspective. I see where you are. And in that brainstorming session, I would ask about your time constraints and where you want to go in the company. Now I have more information. And so I say, thanks, Pete. I appreciate it. Let's follow up next week. And in that time, I go and I go through this preparation, the checklist, now that I have more information. And now that I know you a little bit better and I know the situation better, I feel more confident. And then I come back prepared with more questions and some possible solutions. And taking that time, taking it just step by step really helps to ease tensions because you don't feel that pressure of coming to some kind of conclusion right then. Okay. That's cool. Thank you. Yeah, it's clever. So bit by bit, and then you're super prepared as a result, kind of with each step along the way. And that's handy. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, so now you talk a bit about bluffing in some of your work. And 
just even the idea of bluffing and like in real life and not poker, like with coworkers sounds kind of spooky. Like how should we think about bluffing and when should we do it? It seems kind of intense. So here's the easy answer (laughs) and then I'll go more in depth. You should never do it. So okay, the there answer. we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, so here's the thing about bluffing. When This is how I think about bluffing. So it's me saying that I'm going to do something that I'm really not going to do. And so it's unnecessarily risky. So let's say you take the time and learn all of these persuasion techniques and then you try and do this bluff. It's the equivalent of uh, Hail Mary pass. The reason why people in football, we don't do Hail Marys all the time is because it is a high risk play, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And so let's look at what happens if a bluff fails. So if I say, listen, I start pounding my fist on the mm-hmm. table and say, listen, if this doesn't go my way, I'm going straight to HR and we are going to rain fire and brimstone on you. And then you say, okay, well, I can see where you're coming from there, but this is where I stand. So you can go ahead and get HR <laughs> and, and you don't do it. Then what happens? You lose credibility and your credibility is one of the most important things when it comes to persuasion. Because if I think you're lying now going forward, I'm, that's going to be in my mind. It's like, hey, I remember that time Kwame made this whole big statement saying he was going to do something and he never did it in this negotiation. I don't take that man seriously anymore. And so you were really putting your credibility on the line when you bluff. But there's an alternative. And so what I do is I don't bluff. I offer warnings. So let's imagine we're at the Grand Canyon and there is the cliff coming up and we're walking towards it. And then we see a sign that says, attention, if you proceed further, you risk falling off the cliff. The sign wasn't being aggressive or anything like that or hostile. The sign was just stating the facts of the natural consequences of your continued course of action. And so that's what I do when I negotiate. So there was an instance earlier this week where I was trying to negotiate with the person on the other side. They owed my client money. And so I was like, listen, if you're not able to come up with $2,000 this month, then we're going to have to go about this through the court process. Just stating the facts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He said no, and now we're going to sue. It's just really simple. But I would never have said that if I didn't plan on doing that, because credibility is incredibly important to me. Okay, very good. Well, that makes sense. Thank you. Well, so you tell me, is there anything else you want to make sure that you get to cover before we shift gears to the fast faves segment? Yeah. So the last thing is I want people to recognize like negotiation often seems intimidating because people are like, well, you know, maybe I'm an introvert. I just don't feel comfortable doing it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing is, negotiation is a skill, not a talent. You know, some people might feel more comfortable doing it, but when ultimately it's a skill. And the reason why that distinction is important is because you can improve upon skills. And so when you take the time to really invest in improving this skill, it pays dividends quickly. And one of the easiest ways you can do that is by taking the time to just listen to podcasts. I know a good one. You know, read books. You had Jay on the podcast earlier. His book is phenomenal. You know, just taking the time to educate yourself and having the opportunity to negotiate and ask for what it is that you really want. Perfect. All right. Thanks. Well, so now why don't you start us off by sharing a favorite quote? So my favorite quote, and this is more of an entrepreneurial quote, but I think it applies in the corporate world as well. It's fail faster. Because the thing is, if you're not failing, you're really not pushing yourself. 
And so my thing is I need to take risks in order to continue to advance. And I know I'm going to make mistakes. I know I'm going to have failures along the way, but I know it's going to happen whether I do it quickly or do it slowly. So let's go ahead and get it over with. Let me learn, adjust and be better. Mm, Great. And how about a favorite study or experiment or piece of research? The checklist one was pretty big for me, but there's an interesting one that pertains to negotiation. I forget the name of the people who actually did the research, but it shows up in a lot of the negotiation books that I read. It's a simple technique, and it's simply just giving an explanation for your request. Mm -hmm. So here's the situation. So they had a line at a copying machine, and they had the person come up and say, hey, excuse me, can I cut in front of you in the line? I need to make a copy. And then, you know, it had a success rate of, I think, 40%. And then they had the same person come up at a different time and ask, hey, can I cut in front of you to make some copies? Because I really need to make some copies. (laughs) You know, it doesn't, (laughs) the success rate went up by like 40%. Yeah. It's crazy. Just by simply adding because X, Y, Z. Powerful. Thank you. And how about a favorite book? I would say Negotiation Genius. It was a book that I got because I was a best man in one of my friend's weddings. And it was at a time I I think I was feeling really arrogant. And I was like, a negotiation book. I know this stuff. But what's funnier is that As I learn more in business, in life, and in negotiation, I realize how little I know. And that book just blew me away. Just even even in in areas of the book where it reviewed things, studies, and um, skills that I already knew, it just hit it from a different perspective and really got me thinking about negotiation in a completely different way. And it was just a phenomenal book. So Negotiation Genius is the book I'd recommend. Oh, thank you. And how about a favorite tool? Okay, you're going to get a kick out of this one. All right. A month ago, I started using Snapchat. And, <laughs> uh, and it's like, wow, Snapchat made you more productive. But it really did. Because before I downloaded Snapchat, I posted on Facebook and I said, listen, Snapchat is going to be my productivity diary. So if you ever see me slipping on my productivity you can publicly call me out on social media. And so that scared me because it's like, that's a serious public declaration. I don't want people to embarrass me online. So after that, like my productivity just went through the roof because I was consistently documenting what it was I was doing throughout the day. And I guess that really speaks more, not necessarily to that application, but to the benefit of accountability when it comes to making goals. Thank you. And how about a favorite habit, a personal practice of yours that's been really handy? So back in the day when I had an internship at a big law firm, you know, the lawyers always complain about billable hours, but really it's the clients that should be complaining (laughs) about billable hours. Mm. And so um, one thing that we had to do is we had to write down everything that we were doing when we were billing our time. And so we had this timesheet and I would need to bill in six minute increments. So it really forced me to be intentional about the way I'm spending my time. So now every day, I start the day off about 15 minutes writing down everything I need to do and then putting it into that timesheet. And then, of course, taking a picture and putting it on Snapchat to prove I'm being productive. (laughs) But it really helps my uh, productivity and my organization because now I know from 930 to 1030, I'm going to be billing this client. From 11 to 1230, I'm going to be recording a podcast. And it just keeps me incredibly organized. Mm. And uh, it's been a 
one of the keys to productivity over the last couple of months. Oh, cool. Thank you. And how about maybe a particular nugget or piece that when you share on your podcast or your other work, it really seems to resonate with people in terms of them, you know, retweeting or taking notes and nodding their heads. You know, what might be a gem or two from you? This is really surprising to me. And I think it's because I'm just too close to it. I'm just really shocked at how many people send me messages on LinkedIn and say, I never thought about these opportunities to negotiate. It's almost like they're blind to it. And Mm. it makes sense because imagine, think about when you recently bought a car. And now after you bought that car, you start seeing it everywhere on the street. That's how my listeners are with negotiation. It's like now that it has been brought to my attention, I'm seeing it everywhere. And before I had no idea that all of these were opportunities for me to get more. So I guess it's really that first step, that recognition it has been resonating the most. And how about a favorite way to be contacted? If folks want to learn more, hear what you're up to. Yeah, LinkedIn is the best way to contact me. So everybody who connects with me on LinkedIn gets a personal message and we chat. It's not a joke. So I dedicate hours every week connecting with people who connect with me on LinkedIn through the podcast because I really want to make sure that I'm tailoring my information and content to what people want to know, not just my own personal interests. So connect with me on LinkedIn and we can have a conversation. I chat with people all the time. So that would be the best way to contact me. Oh, thank you. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for those seeking to be more awesome at their jobs? Absolutely. The challenge is engage in some rejection therapy. Go out and try. See what you can ask for and see what you can get. And remember, either way, you win. Mm, That's great. Thank you. Well, Kwame, this has been so much fun. I wish you tons of luck over at the Christian Law Office and the Negotiation (laughs) for Entrepreneurs podcast and the Negotiation Institute and all you're up to. It's been a treat. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, Pete. I really loved what Kwame had to say about the preparation element going into a persuasive kind of a conversation. That it's not so much, you know, ninja mind control Jedi tactics, but rather just knowing some great stuff in advance so you're prepared to navigate and know areas of relative strength and weaknesses and alternatives and opportunities. That's so cool. There's no substitute for doing the hard work and you'll get some cool results, whether it's saving money on a car or getting folks to help you out and whatever that may be. So once again, if you want to check out the transcript and links to stuff we talked about, that's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F86. And once again, I would encourage you, if you have not already, to push that subscribe button so you don't miss from guests like our next one. It is the first ever second time appearing guest. It is Michelle Geelan of Broadcasting Happiness fame. She's got a cool special about happiness coming out on PBS. And we're going to chat about that and new research and insights into happiness and effectiveness and the interrelationship. So hope to catch you then. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. 